growth requires more than capital. Why do we call it the cheat code? Nobody said growth had to be fair. Revenue solves everything. Welcome to the cheat code. What was our fastest path to revenue? We tend to like to do things the hard way. What's the cheat code? It's giving yourself an unfair advantage over the others. What is it that really works and how are we going to grow these organizations? That's our cheat code. Hello and welcome to another edition of the GTM Cheat Code. We're in season two with a focus on partnerships. Today, my co-host is Sean Kester. Sean, what's happening? How we doing? Excited to be back on the pond. Yeah, we let you back on. We let you out of the closet. That's pretty cool. Anytime Justin uh, prioritizes something else, we, we let Sean out of the closet. So it's nice to have him. So as uh, we embark here on season two, we are focusing on partnerships. Today's guest is an inspiring leader. She has been a top performer at enterprise SaaS companies, creator of co-sell software category, passionate about giving back with a focus on charities around autism and youth. She is changing the flow of capital through the Fempire movement, and her day job is the CEO of Partner Tap, Cassandra Golston. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. Yeah, we're super excited to have you. So let's just jump right into this sucker. Since the theme is partnerships, why don't you share with us your ultimate partnership cheat code? So I think for startup companies, I'm going to give you a cheat code for startups. I think um, the main thing is think about partnerships very, very early in your journey, as early as possible. We have a a partner of ours who's a really good partner to this day. But way back in 2017, our company actually was founded in 2016. Um, we had mapped out all of the companies that you know were selling to the types of customers and the buyers that we wanted to sell to. And so we mapped out the consulting firms, the technology companies that we wanted to get close to. Um, and Impartner was one of those companies. So we went to a Dreamforce where they were at and had some discussions with them. And I met some of their salespeople. And right after that conference, started sending them some leads and then reached out to the CRO. And I actually pulled up the email today to just look like remember and I and you know my second piece of this is you always have to give a lot before you're going to get anything especially as a startup and so I I wrote to the CRO and I said hey we sent your salespeople a couple of leads we have more leads we can bring to you and we're actually in process with a company that you're in process with right now. So would love to meet. Uh, our, our technologies are non-competitive and very complimentary. And that started off an amazing, amazing partnership. I mean, at the last two, uh, you know, fast forward now or what, seven years later, um, we just went to their um, conference and, you know, past two uh, conferences of theirs were their top sponsors. And along the journey of PartnerTap, they have um, referred us some of our best customers and early on, you know, really gave us, we did a lot of co-marketing um, and they really gave us, you know, that bigger brand that, you know, we just didn't have as a startup. So that's my, if you want to go sell enterprise, go 
go and partner with the enterprise leader that you're complementary to as a technology company. There is some a ridiculous amount of gold in everything you just said. It's it's going to be hard to unpack it all at <laughs> it's once. A lot to unpack. Yeah, but like <laughs> even we'll just start with the idea of knowing your ICP, right? Like you started with right. your customer first, and then mm -hmm. instead of saying how do we go get them inbound or go outbound and build this huge sales team, you said right. who else sells to them? Like how did you get to that point even to start off? Because nobody thinks that way. Well. I built, I built a co-selling category. So let's just start there. Um, you know, being in, in software sales, that that's what I, you know, did was we, we partnered and we co-sold. Um, and that was really the genesis for the technology. So it made sense right out of the gates to go, I always got my best leads and best counts from partners um, we need, we need partners, right? Cause you start a company, you have zero partners and that's really hard, right? You need to be, you, you need, you need to be getting leads in, right. in other, in other areas. So, um, but you absolutely need to, you need to be willing to give a ton. So I think there was probably two, two years where it was just us, you know, Giving, giving leads, giving leads, like everything. I mean, we were hunting down leads for, for them. We wanted to be the partner that they thought about because, you know, they, they had all these established companies that they were partnered with. Why, why would they take a bet on a smaller company, right? A new company to market. I assume it's the AEs that are sending all these referrals over. How did you, did you compensate them for it? How did you incentivize them to do it outside of the normal prospecting closing business? In the beginning, you know, when you're, when you're founder led sales, right? Um, no, it's you. So myself and right. one of my co-founders, it was us. We were the ones that were sending. And then, you know, we, we started getting customers and then it would be our um, success our success people would help us uncover mm -hmm. leads for our partners. So, yeah. And then now it's our sellers. I mean, that's a huge piece of our go-to-market is this partner ecosystem that we've been cultivating since 2017. Um, and yeah, so it's kind of amazing to think back. I mean, so many years, but we knew that partnerships was such a long game and it is a moat maker um, and you know, if you, you just have to make yourself so, um, like they, they have to have you, like they can't, they can't live without you. Like you're, you're, you're feeding them. The, the, the give to get point can't be stated mm -hmm. enough, right? Like that's how right. it has to start. Cause Sean, the number one question right. we get asked from companies in our portfolio, part of the GTM lab, we think we want to do partnerships, but like we don't even know how to get it off the ground. Where do you start? And right. Right. it's always, you've got to give, right? Like I, I think mm -hmm. you said it perfect. And this is my experience as well in partnerships is I was the smaller player going after partner, right. the big enterprise, yep. you know, behemoth. So they wanted from me to differentiate, right? So what would that look like? And it was really hard in our world because in the early days of LeadMD, which is the, the services agency that we had, the only thing we sold was Marketo services. So all of our customers had the software that we right. were partnered with. I didn't have this like massive book of business that I could go 
flip over to them and say, hey, you need to, you need to talk to Marketo. So as a part right. of our engine and our machine was anytime we got inbound and those folks didn't have marketing automation, the first thing we did was register that with Marketo yep. so that they knew that we were thinking about them every single time we talked to someone who didn't. And it didn't seem like a lot to us, but it actually was. You'd be shocked at how oh, wow. few of their other partners even got one, two, three leads a quarter, right? And and we were right, producing right. at a pretty good clip. Yeah. That's interesting that you say that because, um, you know, we would get in the beginning and still to, we do, um, we would get leads for a PRM solution, which we're not. Right. And so, right. yeah, it's just sending those leads to, and we bet big on one partner. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a lot of trust too, that you're building and, um, there's something to say about exclusivity in the beginning. Um, you know, we dated, I think, a lot. And then yeah. we decided, okay, we're, we're, we're going to go all in. We're going to take this bet. Um, you know, they align, they sell to the enterprise space. That's where we are selling. Um, and so it just fit. Let's not skip over the or gloss over the bet big on one partner because this is the second time now we're only three episodes into season two here that we've mm -hmm. heard all in on one partner, big, strategic, and that's kind of counterintuitive what a lot of people think. Can you? Well, what's the thought process well, behind that? Well, we, you know, when you're when you're a startup, you don't even have a, a team that's going to be able to give time and manage you know, multiple partners, let alone, you know, one. So you've got to be able, and, and if it is this give to get, you, you can only give so much because you're only so many people. So you're only getting so many leads to actually give. So that's why, that's, that's why you have to start out with few, a, a, a handful and, you know, you're kind of dating and you're seeing who do you really align with um, you know, from a goals and values perspective, that's, that's really, that was big to us. Um, and then who are they selling to? Who are their customers? Um, and yeah, and then, and then you can start expanding and then you, and then you get people to, yeah. to start to manage those partnerships. But yeah, in the beginning, you, if you get too many, then you're not going to, you're not going to be able to give enough leads. You're not going to, yeah, you're not going to be able to make an impact what you want. Yeah, we hear a lot, a lot of times, as Josh mentioned earlier, these um, earlier stage companies ask us, how do we get into partnerships? We don't know where to start. And I think it's important just to reemphasize the dating part and making sure that you have alignment within those organizations. Like, who can you work well with? Because if you have to pick one, I think the CEO of the company is probably going to pick the biggest one, right? He's going to say, hey, go after this one. It's going to be strategic. We want you to, we want that logo. Um, odds are that's probably not the one that you end up marrying to because there's a, there's a lot of factors that go into play there. And so I think it's a really important to start off small with a handful that you could see a potential with and, and making sure that you have really strong alignment there because you do want to put your cards, you know, in one hand and do, you want to put your eggs in one basket. Um, but you got to make sure that it's the right one. And so oftentimes people skip over that step and, and say, hey, look, this is the biggest logo. We should go there first. Yeah. I think too is um, having a mutual customer aligned and, and that so early on when I looked up that email you know we were we were in process we're actually in process with selling ADP who's still our customer from the stay 
and they were in process with them and we we knew that so it, it was just like there's something to rally around right right, right? Mm -hmm. it's a big enough logo that everybody cares about it right right and you're right. you're showing that you've already got some chops because you're in there okay so you're mm -hmm. worth taking seriously type of thing right right so i'm curious you, you talked about the early days and that as it matured Mm -hmm. Who did you deal with? Like when you're trying to get your foot in the door with that big partner, you know, you're the CEO right. of a small company, you're right. right. All accounts, you don't matter at this point, right? So who right. are you speaking to at the big enterprise partner you're tackling then to get the ball rolling? And then what does that relationship look like today as it evolved? So I reached out to the CRO um, because I think, I think we had met at the Dreamforce conference nice. and, um, he, it seemed like he was active in partnerships too. Um, and I thought that the CRO would care probably about, Hey, we're sending leads and we're in a process. You, you want to talk to us. Um, and you know, he actually has moved around a little bit inside the company. He's still there to this day. And, um, yeah, he's somebody that I would text and, um, you know, still have a really good relationship with. So. So as, as that matured, CRO mm -hmm. seems like a great starting point, right? I think to, to mm -hmm. your point, like if you're giving something, they're probably going to listen. Um, right. How, how did that materialize into actual deal sharing, deal flow, things like that? Is there field activation? Did it stay at the executive level? You know, what does that look like today? So for a long time, it was just at that level. Um, and then the first thing that we started doing together was just co-marketing. Okay. So this is something that, um, you know, you can start out, you can start marketing together. Um, because they were the larger company, they just, you know, they were doing a lot more right. and they would bring us in. Um, and then, it in turn, it turned into more of a co-sell where we would meet the sellers that we would refer leads to. Um, and now it's, we're data sharing, we're, um, you know, we're doing a lot more. Um, we're talking to their sellers um, a lot. I mean, my team is, the sales team is talking to their sellers quite a bit and, um, you know, we're doing events together. It's just, it's, we're really ingrained now. Like we're reading each other's playbooks. Right. <laughs> it's the same stuff right. we're, we're, we're preaching, right, Sean? Right. Right. That's absolutely right. Um, Cassandra, you said something really clever earlier that I want to touch on in that when you gave that example of that partner, at the beginning of this, you mentioned that once you had sent over a few leads, you reached out to the CEO to tell them. And I think that's really smart because if you hadn't done that, there's unlikely that they would have ever known who you were or they would have, and that, that kind of water falls down, right? So the CEO saying, Hey, who's this person reaching out to me saying that they gave us leads? Is this something that's potential there? Right. Then you're, then you're on the radar. And so I think, um, as anecdotally, like that's a very clever thing to do. And I think a lot of people, uh, underestimate the power of doing so. Yeah. I mean, Hey, if somebody reached out to me and said that they sent leads, I, I would take the call. That's right. Absolutely. Yep. So, Cassandra, you might not know this, but uh, Sean used to run tech partnerships at SalesLoft uh, uh, prior. Yeah. So, I'm curious it, with uh, with PartnerTap and even this this main partner, was there a technology integration component to that, or was it 
really just yeah. a, a co-sell type of arrangement? So, I mean, at first, no. And I, I would say, you know, out of the gates, before you go and build anything, um, you know, is this partner a good fit? Um, and then also understanding, you know, what does, what does your shared customer need mm-hmm. from your technologies together? Um, and, and sometimes in the early days, it's, it, you can't really answer that. Right. So, um, you need, you need people using your product and then you start going, okay, what, what would you like if this was together? Here's some ideas. What do you think about this? Um, so that's, that's kind of how it grew was for me. I mean, even building partner tab, it's, it's always been, just really centering around the customer and yeah, it's obsessing about what's going to make their lives better. How are they going to produce more revenue with your platform? And if that answer at that time was for you to integrate with this company, that's not going to help me right now, then that wasn't a focus, but we were very, very good complimentary. We didn't have to integrate out of the gates. Um, and so I think that when we finally did build the inter- integration, it was really thoughtful in how we, how we built it and, and what it does. Very cool. What, what things did you do to build that customer feedback loop that you could share with the partner? Cause that, the obsession on the customer, I love it. Right. So you've got to be able to share that feedback. So what kind of things did you do to make that a part of your plan? You would, would talk to the customers together. Um, we would talk to them separately. We'd come back, um, you know, my product person and their product person were, um, getting on the phone together, having, so it was, it was a lot, it was a lot of different calls. Um, and there was a person inside of the company that was such a great partner manager, um, who, you know, he was doing a lot of talking to our mutual customers as well. Um, so I think sometimes you've got really good partner managers that are super proactive and, you know, we were feeding them deals. And so he was paying attention to us um, and, you know, going above and beyond and, you know, figuring that integration out, which I think a lot of partner managers do do that. Um, so, but yeah, he was, he was great. They, they have a great one now too. But in the early days, I mean, you needed, that's what we needed. And, and he was awesome. Love it. So have you expanded into other partnerships beyond this, this one key at this point? Yes. yes. So yes. then what was that inflection point where you thought we were mature enough to take on another one and another one and another one? Right? Yeah. So I think the interesting thing was they they were really the genesis because they had their own ecosystem of partners and consulting firms. So we started doing co-marketing with them where their consulting firms started to take notice and who we were. Um, So we actually created a lot of partnerships from the partnerships that they had and understanding who their best partners were. and so that's that's how we really got in deeper with consulting firms. So I think um, consulting firms are awesome, 
awesome partners. Technology firms are great, but consulting firms, um, typically with a consulting firm, you know, this is a person inside that company has a deep relationship with a C-suite executive um, and they can walk you in and they can, you know, they can get deals done where a lot of times with a technology partnership, I can refer you, um, but the type of relationship that we have isn't as tight as that consultant that is in there day in and day out and you know, tackling um, your high level strategy yeah. and that trusted advisor that they become. Yeah, I'm obviously really biased on that because that's the world I came from and that's what we did. Yeah, and that's why everybody loved you over at uh, Marketo, right? Yeah. And all the partners that you had. But I do find that, uh, you know, we obviously are preaching that as as we talk to companies in our portfolio, like how do you look outside of what you might think of as as a traditional integration partner or technology partner into more consulting? Right. That seems to be gaining some good traction. But I do find myself fascinated often with the world that Sean was in and how you looked at and measured technology and integration partners. Cause it is different a little bit, right? Like there's not just this, sure there's referrals and things like that, but um, Sean, what were some of the things that, that you saw were those big inflection points on the, on the tech partner side? Yeah, it was, it was hard at first because it takes work to be able to measure those things. So there, there was always this, do we put engineering effort into pulling this back in data or do we anecdotally say, hey, customers that have integrations do better, right? And so I think for many years, we anecdotally said, I think we said like if they had three integrations that they were, they were 50% more likely to renew or something. So we just made up a number, right? And, but it caught on and everyone would say it at the, at the executive level and I loved it. So uh, we, we stuck with that for a while, but then we started measuring it actually. And we did find there was a direct correlation between uh, integrations outside of like core integrations like Gmail and telephony and, and CRM, anything that was like more custom to their workflow, whether it was like video or chat or things of that nature, um, there was a, there was much higher retention. I think I forget the number now. I think it was 60% higher net retention number across those customers. Um, and so that's what we ended up measuring. And then also, um, big time on the competitive wins aspect. So if they, if we were integrated into other things that they uh, were using, we had a much higher win rate. And if they mm-hmm. weren't or direct versus our competitor. So for a very long time, we had at least 2x the integrations uh, in all the adjacent categories and our, our uh, closest competitor. And so that was a, a big piece. And so I, you know, I personally added, went into, you know, Salesforce and added fields for that to be part of the deal cycle because we had to prove ROI, right? You know, you're going to put engineering effort time and, and marketing and resources into it. So those are the two big ones that we measured. Yeah. I mean, I think... I think integrations are are super important um, because there does come a time when you've got this competitive landscape and then companies start to look the same and what's the differentiator mm-hmm. um, and and that becomes a big big differentiator. I mean, we've seen that with Salesforce, who's another company that we we've we've partnered pretty tightly with, but that's, that was, a, that's a long, that's a long haul partnership. <laughs> I was going to say you've successfully totally. partnered with Salesforce. You're one of one, maybe. Yes. <laughs> I think TFL is the only one I've ever seen do it well. TFL did it well. Yeah. Marnie and that yeah. team did a, did a really good job. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, we do have employee number 51 from Salesforce on our team. So that, that is helpful. <laughs> yeah, that's not hurt at all. Right. Yeah, a little bit of politicking going so on. Ch- I like that play. 
<laughs> you've, kind of, you've kind of alluded to this idea of creating a culture of partnerships within organizations, especially early and often. Mm-hmm. What do you rec- how do you recommend that happens? Because I think the biggest hurdle oftentimes is, is it not coming from the top down. Right. And that and, and it's near impossible for that to happen. So I guess right. maybe maybe in the context of an early stage founder, how do they create an end of someone who may be an, a leader in an early stage company that isn't the founder that doesn't have that? How do how do they start to, you know, organically well, build that within the business? I, I think you if you look at, you know, who 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 in startup is uh, you know, this is like pretty much you you have a male dominated, you've got um, you know, their, their backgrounds typically in engineering, right. That's, that's going to be your, your typical founder. Um, and so, you know, I always think of how hard it would be to run a company when you don't have just sales in your DNA, how much you, you, you've learned about go-to-market motions and, um, plays and, partnerships being a super important one. So I think, you know, to, to a founder that is more technical and, you know, I have a technical co-founder and we're very, very different, very different. And I think he would probably look and go, well, the numbers don't work out, right? Like I should anticipate that I'm going to get revenue. Why would I put in time if I'm not going to get something in return immediately. So, um, and I think for partnerships, it's, it's something that you have to work so hard at and you don't see the fruits of all of your labor until seven years, right? Where you're tracing back all the steps and all the things that you did um, that might not, might not have actually even gotten you to this point. So there is this risk. So I think if, if your background is, is different, it didn't come from the business side, it was technical. These are analytical minds right? where it's black and white, right? There's no gray here. Yeah. Well, um, you obviously intuitively understand the long game, but mm-hmm. that's something that you're mm-hmm. going to have to almost explicitly spell out, right? Take right. Your- now you have that experience to draw on, but for someone else, they're going to have to draw on your experience and say, look at these are the things, these are the steps you have to take. And here's what it yields in the long term. It's not a turn it on and it's just going to start happening. Right. Right. So I think, I think the best, I think, especially now when you look at a competitive landscape, like at a certain point, there's, you know, this competitive landscape where it's like, how are we differentiating? And so if you put in the work early, to make that moat because that's what partnerships really are. It is, it is a moat maker, um, right. Platform moat maker. Right. Um, but it's not easy. No. And right. So explaining to somebody that is like, I don't understand why we would do that. Why don't we just, you know, get the salesperson that's going to go make the calls and that's what they're going to, cause that's what I can then calculate. Right. Yeah. Put this effort in, I get this and, and that's what I'm going to scale. And then later it, it seems like people come on where your board is starting to tell you, Hey, there's a thing, it's partnerships. You should do it. 
Um, and I think that's the normal playbook. Yeah. But Partner Tap uh, runs a completely different playbook than. I love it though. <laughs> because you've got a different type of. It is one of those plays, right? Where if you're a startup and if you can tap into, no pun intended, that bigger partner ecosystem, you can play bigger than you are, right? And it gives you Absolutely. a chance to play in the bigger leagues faster. Um, so shifting gears just a little bit with our last segment here, learned a, a lot about uh, you and partnership and, and, and partner tap and partnering, but want to know a little bit more about you and more specifically, every time I see you on LinkedIn, you have a neon sign behind you that says Fempire. What is the Fempire? Every time. Every time. Every time. No, no exceptions. <laughs> Without fail. <laughs> no exceptions. No, because I don't think it's every time. Um, well, so where do you want me to start? I want to know. What is it? Oh, Fempire. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know. Who's involved? Yeah. Fempire is something that, you know, we would say behind the scenes and partner tap all the time. Since we started building the company, we're like behind the scenes, we're building the female empire. You know, the exact opposite of what, you know, companies look like today, most companies. Um, you know, people don't know this, but, um, or when I say these stats, people are like shocked. But, um, you know, there's only been ever 22 companies thus far that have a woman CEO founder that has taken a company public. Really? 22? 22. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's only been 40 that have, have had a woman on the founding team, not CEO, but on the founding team that have gone public. So, you know, we, we have a big problem here. You've got, you know, 58% of the workforce right now is women and 35% of the workforce that are women actually hold leadership positions. And we've got more women graduating with a bachelor's degree, with a master's degree, with a PhD than men. We have a problem here. <laughs> like, this is so imbalanced. And so, um, you know, we were, we, we decided to have a dinner one night and at a conference. And I said, you know, we should just call it the Fempire Dinner. And well, you know, eight women will show up. And what happened was we ended up having to buy out the restaurant and, you know, it just started, it started to get noise. And so now when we go to conferences or when we go places, we're running these dinners and, um, you know, we're bringing in women leaders, women um, business owners, women um, that are running partnerships and revenue um, and, you know, we're, we're just laying out the facts that, you know, these are the stats. And if we're going to change things, then we need to be doing business together. That's how you truly change the flow of capital. Um, we're not going to do it at, you know, the funding level, which I, this is why I love you guys, Josh, because one of the first companies you funded was by a woman CEO. So I just think you're Awesome. Um, but this is, you know, this is, this is, this is a problem. And so we, we need a network. We need a network in our industries. So it's, yeah, it's, it's become, 
you know, something that people are talking about. And, and really it's, it's just about you know, driving, driving revenue together. And that's what PartnerTap is about. We're, you know, a co-selling platform. We are the enterprise co-selling platform. And, you know, companies are coming to us right now because sales is broken. Um, you know, these, these companies that are, that are investing in new go-to-market strategies like partner first, channel first, co-sell, co-sell first, those are the companies that are going through this go-to-market transformation and they're looking to us to, you know, lead them down that new path. And it's all about co-sell and be together. And so, you know, the Fempire Network, it's its about the same thing. It's its about coming together and, yeah, doing business with each other. Um, you know, some of the most awesome stories I heard last year were people, you know, signing big partnerships because of having dinner together. Um, some of the biggest deals of, you know, people that were in these rooms um, came because they sat next to um, just decision makers and so knowing the facts is what's, you know, I think creating change. Um, in a lot of the enterprise companies where, you know, um, men are, are purchasing our solutions because we love men too, um, you know, they, they, they love Vampire. I know you're laughing about it, Josh, but they I'm love it. I'm not laughing about it. I love it They're too. I, I wouldn't have asked if I didn't care about it. I yeah. love it. They're telling me, you know, I have um, I have daughters, and it's super important that things change, right? Um, so, I don't know. I just I had a father that was like, "You can be whatever you want to be," um, but unfortunately, he didn't know the real truth sure. about what we're li- what what women and you know minorities go through. Yeah, I'd agree. And, and it's an amazing platform and there's nothing more powerful than like-minded people getting together and, and helping each other do business and grow. And like yeah. the business leaders that you speak to, I have two daughters and want nothing more than every opportunity that they could possibly have uh, when they you know move on and are off my payroll. So that would be fantastic. <laughs> I, t- I told my oldest daughter that you know there's a platform here that you can build off of, there's a good chance you don't give two rips about B2B vertical SaaS, but the investing platform will be there. You can find a, a niche that you, you care go. about and, and go after awesome. it that way. So, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. So where can folks connect with you? How can they find you and PartnerTap? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn with a neon sign, I guess. Every time. It's on the banner, <laughs> isn't it? Right? It's just behind your head. No, oh, no, uh, it is not. You're probably thinking about other people. I mean, people put that as their their profile. Well, I know, um, I know, I know. I, I see you in Autumn a lot, so there, you know, yeah. it's, it's it's not just yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm really active on LinkedIn, um, and you can you can find my company PartnerTap.com. Awesome. Well, Cassandra, thank you for joining the show. Thanks for having me. You are very welcome. Thank you. And to our audience, uh, thank you for listening. Please find Sandra, find PartnerTap. If you learned something today or maybe laughed at a story or want to join the Fempire, please go and sign up for the podcast. Give us a like, uh, give us a review, all of those good things. Again, Cassandra, thanks again. This has been another episode of the GTM Cheat Code. 
growth requires more than capital. Why do we call it the cheat code? Nobody said growth had to be fair. Revenue solves everything. Welcome to the cheat code. What was our fastest path to revenue? We tend to like to do things the hard way. What's the cheat code? It's giving yourself an unfair advantage over the others. What is it that really works and how are we going to grow these organizations? That's our cheat code.